Today, we're talking to Thibaut Soros, founder at Sales Lab, about the T-shaped SDR. Prospecting is already in and of itself a pretty tough thing. I mean, you're probably listening to this podcast because you're trying to you know, learn new ways to prospect or to make it easier or more effective. And, you know, an SDR or a BDR, someone that has to do this full time, it can be quite the grind. You know, I used to run call centers with a company that sold residential house painting services. So we were cold calling, you know, we'd have 15, 20 people cold calling homeowners that really didn't want to hear from us and that we weren't able to do research on. And that was tough, you know, and B2B cold calling is not quite as hard as that because we can research folks, but it's still a grind, you know, doing that 40 hours a week. And I'm really interested in the topic today because what Thibaut is going to talk about is this concept he calls the T-shaped SDR. And Thibaut's been an SDR. He works with a ton of SDRs and teams. And really, it's about like, how can we do more than just, you know, send cold emails and make cold calls? How do we network? How do we build authority and create content and get a little bit of inbound going, you know, if our audience is hanging out on LinkedIn? And it doesn't have to be just marketing and sales folks that are hanging out on LinkedIn. So if your personas are outside of those two, this strategy works pretty well uh, also. So, but before we get to this, if you're listening to the show for the first time, my name's Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal with this podcast is to share actionable tactics and strategies with you to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. So I help people that love landing those big meetings, but hate it when they spend a ton of time personalizing cold email and no one responds. Or when you go to pick up the phone and call a prospect, you don't feel super confident that you're going to land that meeting. That's what I really enjoy helping folks with. So if those are things you resonate with, you're definitely in the right place. So one of the things that we're going to talk to Thibault about, I mean, he's going to talk a lot about pattern interruption as well. And one of the things I always think about with pattern interruption, especially if you're managing a team is, well, how do I make sure that the things that I talk about, the best practices, the things that, you know, are top, you know, sales reps are doing, how do we replicate that with the rest of the team? You know, one of the ways you can do that is using a tool called Wingman. It's something I've started using here in the last two or three weeks with our coaching clients and with myself actually in my sales calls. And what it's really helped me do is scale the coaching. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can take the time in a one-to-one setting to coach each individual man, uh, sales rep. And that's really good if you're doing that. But what can be really hard is, you know, how do we listen to enough calls to give them really actionable takeaways? And what if one thing that we share is, you know, applicable to one rep that could also be shared with the other reps on our team? Like, how do we do that without repeating ourselves and taking up all this time? Well, Wingman's a way that I use it to really uh, use some AI and automation and some machine learning to pick up and transcribe some of these calls and pull out the actionable takeaways so I can share 30-second, 60-second snippets with an entire team of people so I can scale the coaching in that way without having to put in a ton of manual work listening into these calls. And the reps that we're working with, they can actually implement this stuff real time, let's say in a sales call. So if we're trying to you know, work on how they do the intros to their discovery or demo calls, one of the things they can do is like prompt them at certain points in the call when a prospect says something, or we can prompt them when they say something either to not say that or to bring up certain talking points if someone asks about competitors or price or whatever it might be. 
but it's a super cool tool. So if those are any of you know the things that you're thinking about with your team, make sure to check it out at trywingman.com. I'm super excited about the tool, and I'm also super excited for you to hear for you, excuse me, to hear the conversation with Tebow. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. So how did you get into like outbound? Cause I was, I was doing a lot of uh, research on you. Take a look at your LinkedIn. You've done a lot of different jobs, which is, which is interesting. What was, do you remember what your first experience was like doing cold outreach or making cold calls or doing anything like that? Um, yeah, actually it was, uh, it was something pretty funny um, because I was actually, it was when I was, I think around 23 or 22, okay. I was uh, out of college in Canada and, um, you know, I, I had joined a company called Password Box where I was a QA tester, nothing to do with the, with sales. And uh, then, you know, I just like say, okay, uh, I have like this side business I'm working on and we said, okay, now we have six months to make it work. And the idea was to sell to flight schools in the US. So we're selling like a um, flight management platform for flight schools. Mm. And then, you know, they were saying, okay, Thibault, you're going to do sales, going full-time doing that for six months. And basically my approach doing cold outreach was to go um, find like a list of flight schools. There's like, I don't know, a few thousands in the US. Then go at info at, send a message. And then if I had no answer, the account was burnt. That's what I was considering like, like that. So very quickly, uh, I said, uh, you know, I came back to the guys and said, guys, the market is the, is, is burnt. Like, uh, we don't have any customer. I talked to everyone. <laughs> I, you know, I turned every stone and uh, sorry, guys. And so that was my first experience with uh, outbound. I was doing like outbound emails, everything, got some answers, but that was just terrible. I had no clue what I was doing. And uh, yeah, that was my first kind of experience in, uh, in doing outbound, yeah. It's kind of funny because when you when you realize like oh there's tools out there and I can get people's email addresses and there's sales engagement platforms I mean that stuff hasn't always been easily accessible I mean like really in the last like maybe two or three years it's been very yeah. affordable and accessible but it's hard to because it almost feels like a like a hack or like a cheat code yeah like oh I can I can go to the like I can work out without going to the gym I can get in shape without like exercising like that's kind of, almost kind of what it feels like. I could yeah. set these meetings up at scale and not have to do anything. I just upload a list and send it out. And it's funny because I found something very similar when I started doing this that, oh, that doesn't really work. And it actually makes a lot of people angry. And you burn through data yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really fast too, dude. Um, exactly. So what, what did it look like after that? How did you, you know, kind of sharpen the scales, you know, the outbound skills and the outbound chops? So basically what happened is uh, obviously this company failed for many reasons, but we didn't manage <laughs> to sell anything. Uh, it's also uh, general aviation in the US or in, your, in the world is a market that is uh, shrinking for one reason. People mm -hmm. are dying because they are too old. So pilots who are, you know, private pilots are, are just like dying because there's no more new private pilots. It's too expensive. There's too much regulation. So it's really oh, tough. Wow. And so the market was just terrible. So, you know, it was, was a mistake. We spent a lot of money investing there. But for me, I always say it's like, I could have done the masters with that money, but I actually found much better skills failing that. So um, then I found a job with a company called Applause, which is a crowd testing company yeah. from Boston. And they also have an office in uh, Berlin. And that's when I really had my start into a cold outreach selling B2B tech uh, uh, solutions. And then basically what we had there was not much. So uh, I had to take care of growing the French market. And uh, what I found was like, it was very easy for me to find people. Then uh, obviously I knew about Hunter and all these things to find email address. I was mostly using mail tester there. And then I was just like, I found a really cool, like five step sequence that worked really well. 
Mm-hmm. And then I just realized, okay, it's, it's, it's really, if you want it, it's just, just really like a numbers game. So you just find a bunch of, um, uh, you know, like companies, then two, three people in there, and you just put people in sequences. And at some point, some will answer, some will be pissed, but some will book calls with you. And so I kind of found my number and I said, okay, I need to book, I don't know, around 15 discovery calls a month. Here's the number I need to do. And then it was very easy from that. From that. So I was prospecting two hours, uh, two hours a week, uh, sorry, uh, no, a day finding my, my job and, and that's, that's how I got into that. And later on, um, I kind of stopped doing that because I became a manager, had a team and I didn't have to prospect anymore. Then I went back to a new job where I had to prospect and I said, okay, I'm done. I, I do my own stuff. Yeah. And basically it's actually something that is quite, um, it's been maybe a year. I've really invested heavily in understanding uh, what I can do to prospect differently. And it came from one thing as was like, I'm a founder. I don't want to pick up the phone, send cold email or whatever. I want to find another way to a prospect. And basically that's how I came up with a T-shaped uh, SDR or T-shaped sales development concept where I found that we have so much tools, so many tools, so much data, so many things we can use right now smartly that instead of just like blasting emails, I can do a bit of everything. And, uh, and, and then I'm able to, uh, to kind of like have way more conversations. And so that's, that's a bit, uh, you know, like just trying different things. And that, that's how I got everything, basically. Interesting. So I love, by the way, that your background is you come from actually doing the work, right? You don't see that a lot in our space. Uh, you know, I actually have never been in an SDR before. The only sales rep job that I had was, you know, B2C sales, which, which is tough, dude. You know, going door to door, selling paint jobs, and I you know, manage call centers, but the B2B selling, I've only done it for myself, you know, so yeah. I've had to prospect and stuff. So I love that you've been in the role, which is super cool. Um, this concept of the T-shaped SDR is interesting because I think a lot of people look at sales development and they don't look at it like a marketing mix. Mm-hmm. You know, like any company looks at their marketing mix and they're like, how many leads are we getting through our website, through online stuff, through our content, through SEO, through LinkedIn, whatever it might be. but with SDRs, people typically think, well, there's only one way to do it. Like you either are an inbound SDR and you handle the website leads mm-hmm. or the, uh, you know, uh, demo signups or webinar signups, or you're outbound and you do cold outreach. You reach yeah. out to people you have no relationship with that you don't know. Uh, you shouldn't have a personal brand, which is where a lot of companies are. And you just do a lot of cold email and cold calling. And mm-hmm. essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, this T-shaped SDR is like, hey, yeah, outreach is like a part. Of, like that's that's one way. That's one thing mm-hmm. that you can do to generate business. Is that kind of the concept behind this? Is kind of like creating a, a more of like a mix in your yeah. your marketing, so to speak. So basically, the um, the idea came for me. Um, it came. I don't. I know. I was just like grabbing a beer and just with friends. I always get good ideas when I grab beers. So that's mm-hmm. weird. But basically, what happened is, uh, I thought. You know, I always see whenever you have new SDRs who very often are millennials or now Gen Z because it's very often an entry-level job. Um, it's always a job where it's, it's seen as a step, you know, like a stepping stone to become an AE. And so, uh, and so the thing is, for me, I was thinking most people are, are millennials, you know, Gen Z. They like things to go fast. And yep. they also like, uh, it's a generation, their studies there that is 
looking for, you know, not money or anything, but really mentoring and growth opportunities. That's really like something that is very, very common in there. And what I found is like the SDR doesn't live up to that, to that thing, you know, very often in Europe, at least you go to a business school and everything is, everyone's telling you, you're going to be the leader of tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And then you do your first call and you end up your first job and you end up doing like hundred calls a day to strangers. And yeah. so then you realize, okay, that's not as cool as I expected. I thought I would be a leader, whatever. And so what I found is that um, I always like to say that um, millennials are extremely good at like, uh, I am one myself. We're extremely good at like sending snaps, uh, you know, like uh, sending, doing live stories on Instagram, basically building content. That's, that's a generation of content. If you look at people on TikTok, everything, we are building stuff all the time. But picking up the phone to call our moms, no one does that, you know. So doing that actually to pick up, to call strangers, you know, it's going to be even harder. So for me, I was, yeah. okay, is there a way to kind of make it more interesting, make this job more appealing and also more interesting for the employer. Because uh, if the output you want is, I don't know, 20 opportunities a month, um, no matter how you're building them, you know, the, out the, the outcome is what matters. And so I thought, why not actually just build something for SDRs where they can create content, uh, build their network proactively, and then outreach. And so that's the three blocks. You have content, network, and outreach. And so the thing is why it's a T-shaped is because it's a form of, a, you know, if you look at the skills you need to develop, the main ones, the T, like the deep end of the T, are everything about outreach, called email, call calling, social selling, all the things you need to master. But if you want to get much better and increase your output and also do a job that is much more interesting, you can create content and you can also build, uh, proactively build your network. And so doing these three things, it kind of makes things a lot different. You're not really doing outbound much. You are actually... Uh, warming up, you know, attracting people to what you're doing with your content, warming, warming them up, and then using this content as trigger to get in touch with them and start conversations. And yeah. so that's the um, that's the idea because now we have so many free freemium tools we can use. A lot of people are super creative, and this is just like it's super exciting to do that. You know, you're not just like call calling, call emailing. You are uh, more like a go-to market unit. You know, you're just like generating opportunities in a you know smarter way than just like call calling or call emailing. Yeah. Okay. And let's, so let's really dig into this because I know you call it the T-shaped SDR, but we talked about this before uh, we hit record here. I think it's totally applicable to anyone selling, you know, mm -hmm. AE doing full cycle. Um, we work with a lot of folks that sell professional services too. So they yeah. kind of do their own account management, unfortunately, <laughs> which <laughs> so there's like a three-pronged job that they have to do. Um, so if we look at the T-shaped, like if we start with the three categories, so you got network building, outreaching, and the content building. Mm -hmm. Is there like, where do you start with that? Is there like a, you know, how much time I should spend in these areas? Do you look at it as a time thing? Is it the, uh, the, where the results should come from? Like where, where do you start when actually making a plan yeah. um, to put this into action? So first of all, the first thing you need to see is to assess uh, where you're good and where you're not good. So what I okay. like to do is to traffic light, you know, you say green, yellow, red, you basically go through a template. So I'll be able to, to uh, share that with you, the T-shaped SDR template where you have the content network and outreach. And then you have like skills, like in content, being able to create content, to write, uh, you know, just like to, to create, let's say a, a small presentation using Canva, these kind of things. And so the idea is like you first identify where you're good and where you need to improve. Then you focus on one thing you actually want to improve. So say, for example, I want to build content. Some people are excellent at building content because it's not, it comes naturally to them. But a lot of them are not, you know, and, and one thing often what that you will see in some companies, people are against 
SDRs or you know anyone doing sales building content. They want to actually control the image of the of mm. this person, and so it's going to be very hard to build content there uh, because often people will say, "Oh, you're building a personal brand on my box," uh, or you are you know like you're just like not doing your job. And if your output is not good, then it's going to be pretty hard to to do that. So what I, I found is some people will be able to do it. And super important to also know is like content building is not building a personal brand. Like everyone talks about personal brand and everything. But for yeah. me personally, if I hire 10 SDRs and they are spending six hours a day building a personal brand, that's not going to work. But yeah. if they are creating content that generate opportunities for them and for me, and as a byproduct, they build a personal brand, fine, I'm happy. So that's the thing is like for me, I'm into content, which is not really personal brand or whatever, or thought leadership. It's really... Like I have ICPs, ideal customer profiles. They have problems. I'm talking about how I can solve these problems. That's it. That's that's yeah. how I do it. So tactical advice there. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the content building portion of it. So correct me if I'm wrong here. You kind of have this broken up. Like So the three categories we talked about, network, outreach, content. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. focus on content. And then you look at domain and then skills. So essentially when you look at content, there's the copywriting portion of this that you mm-hmm. talked about. And then there's like the design stuff, yep. right? And within those is the four skills you're looking at are storytelling, templating, creative thinking, and then landing pages. Is that the four areas of skills in this area? These are actually some important skills, but you can replace them with tons of different things. So it's, it's more like a a Canva that where, where you can put like skills that are important for you or Mm -hmm. that are relevant for industry. And then you can, you can put the, you know, whatever you want in there, but like the ones you gave was just an example of of a T-shaped as you would see. Um, and so these are, for me, these are important things where you need to be able to tell a good story. You need to be able to, uh, whenever you are building, uh, let's say, a, a link to a landing page, you need to simply be able to build this landing page and have a design that looks okay. And that's the idea is that uh, you need to have all these skills that you used to go and you know study for uh, a while ago. Now you can access them for free. You learn how to do that in like three, four hours. And then it's a skill you can use for life like building landing page, like uh, uh, copywriting, uh, storytelling, yeah. these kind of things. There's so much content you can actually uh, learn from. And that's really the idea over there. Got it. So with content, and I want to step back, I want to kind of talk through the lens of someone that's not doing like any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like with content building, just like the why component of this, can you talk about that a little bit? Because people may be thinking, well, well, what's the point? Like I get that I could learn how to do that, but like mm-hmm. how... How does content building actually help me build my pipeline? So the idea is like whenever you are building content um, on, on, let's say I, I'll use LinkedIn because that's LinkedIn, really yeah. where I have the most of the, the experience. But the thing is uh, um, LinkedIn is a social network which has like viral elements in it. So uh, it, it has an algorithm, as you know, works in a certain way. And this algorithm will try and pick some things that are viral and just like create an echo chamber and a self-propagating kind of like messaging, all these kind of things. And so what you can do is if you have a clear understanding of your ICP and who you want to talk to, creating content where I'll give you an example that I always like to take is if you're selling an expense management software, like, uh, you know, we have in Europe, we have Spendesk, Circular, Expensify, these mm-hmm. kind of things. In Europe, we have two airlines, uh, EasyJet and Ryanair. And if you want to pick, uh, uh, just like download a VAT uh, invoice, it's super complicated because they are mostly airlines for holiday and everything. But now they kind of like before the COVID, they were basically like, they took over all the market. So if you had to go to business travel, you would still take them, but yeah. they didn't do an infrastructure for business. So finding a VAT invoice is just a nightmare. And whenever you have to do your, your monthly accounting, you know, as a, as a rep or as a consultant, whatever, who's flying a lot, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble. So if I'm selling an expense management software, 
I can actually give a checklist. I can build some content where I'll say, hey, are you having trouble uh, picking up or retrieving that invoice from my EasyJet? Here's a quick checklist I've done to do that like really fast. Or here's a tool I've built where you can do it. You have all the procedures there. Whenever you're doing that, you're sending a part of the problem that your solution is, uh, is, um, you know, is providing. And so that's really the idea with content is whenever you do that, people will start thinking, okay, it's super tactical. I can use it right now. It helps me uh, move further and have a quick outcome. And that's when, you know, you attract them. Mm-hmm. And whenever you have people who are commenting, reacting, or just like visiting your profile, you can see, you know, they came uh, from your ICP. They represent these people you want to talk with. And then that's that's the best way to attract them. That's really what I found is you you talk about problems they are trying to solve and that's going to attract them on your content. Got it. So this content portion of it, it's like, I don't need to become a content creator. I just need to be good at building some some content, right? Um, that Absolutely. I can use on a regular basis. So, so if I'm thinking like the why behind this is that I can further illustrate problems and this, correct me if I'm wrong, this is content that you could throw into your cold emails too. Yeah, I put together a checklist. Um, This could, and is this like a LinkedIn post? Is it an article? Like, how does it end up manifesting itself on like LinkedIn? So it would be a LinkedIn post, or a very good example would be if your your marketing team is investing heavily in these kind of things, in building lead magnets or or content for to educate your market. Um, Let's say you do a handbook, like a handbook about marketing trends, and you're selling a marketing software, whatever. Uh, often you'll see this, this, uh, this ebooks, whatever will be gated. You have to put your email address to actually collect it. Mm-hmm. And then you're into a newsletter thing. And so a lot of time people don't really like doing that, especially in Europe. So what you can do, I found for it's very tactical tip for SDRs is, or anyone like generating opportunities is you download this handbook, you host it on a Google drive, you put the link as public, and then yeah. you put a post and say, Hey, here's this handbook or whatever. You talk about something very specific into the handbook. And then, you know, you say, uh, I don't know how, how, yeah, you find a topic that is relevant to your ICP, talk about a problem. And then you say, if you want the handbook, just like drop a comment and I'll send it to you directly. Whenever you do that, people will start commenting and you have these comment loops, you know, that can also work. So use it not too much, but that's the type of thing or give me a like, give me a comment or whatever. And then you can connect with this person. Then they will obviously accept you because they commented to get the, the, the handbook. You send it and use that as a trigger to start a conversation. And so that's an example of like how you create tactical content without actually creating anything. You just take marketing what they've done. You curate that content and then you bypass their kind of MQL uh, uh, selection thing and you get attributed, you know, directly the conversation and the lead. And so that's a trick I, I really like to give. Marketing teams don't really like it because it reduces their <laughs> performance. But as an SDR or a sales rep, that's really helpful to do that. Well, you mentioned something so important and it's, Dude, if you're sending a cold email to me and you send uh, the promise of a really good piece of content and then I have to opt in to get that, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The conversion rate on that is so low. There's so many extra steps. You're interrupting me with an email or a LinkedIn message and then you're expecting me to put in all this work to like get the document. And most of what we're putting together is not like so appealing that it's going to be worth that type of stuff. So I like that. And, And essentially it sounds like the first couple steps here could be what does your marketing department have the, and what kind of content are they creating that addresses some of the common problems? Mm-hmm. How can I just repurpose that into like a one-page checklist or throw it onto a Google Doc and kind of get the best stuff yeah. there? So instead of the 40-page white paper, it's the one page of the white paper yeah. that has like the, the great information on it. Exactly. And then now I can repurpose that to throw into my cold email. 
when I connect on some with someone on LinkedIn, I can say, Hey, I wrote a post with this like little graphic in it. Here's the link, go check it out. And now you got like a way to start conversations with people from a place of value and talking about their problems and ways that they could fix it versus asking for a demo. Exactly. That's exactly the thing. And one quick tip is if your marketing team doesn't have anything, go look for your competitors. Just go the ones that are crushing the market, grab their marketing, repurpose everything you can, do your own checklist based on what they've done because they've done a lot of research. And this is a great way to, uh, you know, it's all public information you can use and just do that. You know, if if, if you don't have a marketing team that is very um, helpful or, you know, things are not going, it's just not in their strategy, you go. You go on canva.com, super simple. You build something, one pager. It just costs you nothing. It costs you time. And then you're basically producing content yourself. And that's the thing is, for me, marketing was kind of, I studied marketing, by the way, forgot everything about it. <laughs> it was just horrible. And uh, and then, you know, for me, I was, okay, marketing and sales, you know, marketing is some kind of shady thing. I don't know exactly what they do, PPC, whatever thing. But then you realize it's actually, no, it's just like grab, grabbing the attention of someone. Yeah. Grab the attention, provide value, start a conversation. As simple as that. Yeah. Is there anything else when you look at kind of the 80-20 with content building, any other little tips that you have to kind of make this easy for the reps that aren't really being spoon-fed very good content to use from a sales standpoint? Yeah. So uh, there's a few things. First, uh, use LinkedIn polls. So there's this feature called LinkedIn poll where you can ask questions. Uh, this works really well because what you, you do is whenever you say, I had one that got 135, uh, 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 how do you call that, votes, got me, I don't know, around 60, yeah, 60 interesting people were in there. And I started like 10 conversations with that and closed three deals. So basically what That's you do, cool, man. you do a LinkedIn post, a LinkedIn poll where you say, for me, it was like only 48% of SDRs are reaching their targets consistently. Uh, like, what's the reason, you know, what do you think is the reason? And then I was listing three reasons and then other comment. And the thing is then people just like go and they just vote very simply. They don't even comment, react or anything. They just vote on it. And then you can see who voted for what. And then you say, hey, you send them a connection request or a message. Say, thanks a lot for your vote on X, Y, Z. And then you can start having a, you know, a conversation. So you use the vote as a, as a trigger and then you can start the conversation. That's, that's an easy way to do that. Another very easy way to uh, start a conversation is to use p- other uh, people's content. So if you have, uh, that's why I always recommend to identify thought leaders in your industry. Because if you see thought leaders, I don't know, like Justin Welch, for example, I had him on, on my podcast. Whenever he do posts, like every week he has posts with like 4,000 likes and comments yep. and whatever. You can go typically like Justin attracts people who talk about personal brand, tech, uh, basically growing from, uh, you know, to 50 million AR, these kind of things. And um, so for me, it's exactly the type of customer I want to work with. So I go check like all the people who liked or commented on his post. And then I, I see maybe like, you know, a bunch of people like 10 that are interesting for me. And then I, I use this, this post. I say, hey, I see you liked the, the content of uh, the post of Justin about X, Y, Z, this problem. Uh, I have two tips I'd love to share on how I typically solve that. And so I showed that actually to uh, using a, uh, Aaron Ross from Predictable Revenue Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the post. I just showed that in a workshop. I said, hey, guys, I'm going to show you how it works. I pulled actually the 20, 20, uh, um, 20 people who liked the post. And then, you know, just sent like an automated uh, message the, to, to them, basically on LinkedIn. And at the end of the two-hour training, there are three people who actually answered and two who actually booked a call with me. So yeah. that's, that, you know, like content that is totally strange. Like it's not my content at all. It's someone else's content, but I use that as a trigger to uh, get in touch. And that's, that's a great way to use content whenever you don't want to build any. Yeah. 
which uh, I, I love that. So it's like find the influential people, which can be tough. I've noticed depending on the personas you're selling into, like we sell into salespeople. So they're yeah. obviously they're on LinkedIn. Marketers are spending time on there. A lot of recruiters are. Yeah. Um, so it kind of depends, but I, I like the, just because there's not like people creating a ton of content doesn't like you can throw up a post and just like invite mm-hmm. people to check out that post and yeah. the poll, like you don't need hundreds of people to fill out a poll. If like a dozen people filled it out, you're essentially kind of seeing who has interest in this. Yeah. And that becomes the personalization, like the reason that you're reaching yeah. out. And I do this a lot. So like, I don't do a lot of like pure cold calling mm-hmm. uh, anymore, but I still pick up the phone and we'll call and cold call people that comment or like our stuff that like fit our ICP yeah. or we'll message them a lot on LinkedIn cold as well. Um, so I, I think it's a really sound strategy. You know, essentially creating like a poll effect also. So mm-hmm. instead of doing all this pushing, all the time with this pure cold stuff. It's like, let's see how we can create a pull effect. Yeah. How long does it typically in your experience for someone that's just getting started with this, how long does it take for them to kind of start to see a little bit of traction on the content so, side? So the content side, it really depends. Um, the thing is, whenever you start posting regularly, LinkedIn will actually start uh, throwing some kind of, um, of, of elements to, to kind of keep, keep you going. So if you're, I don't know, if you, you, you'll see like what you see a lot is beginners who are uh, starting content. They, they start posting and they have one hashtag. And then after two weeks, they, they, they say, okay, congrats, your post has been trending. And yeah. so it's not so much a, a thing that your post is trending. It's just more LinkedIn gives you a small gift. So you keep doing it. It's very yeah. Pavlovian. And so uh, at the beginning, you'll see things may go really fast and then it's going to drop after a few weeks. And so because LinkedIn kind of over-engineer and they really try to push you to do build content. And so they over-engineer your, your uh, exposure and then you have to restart basically. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that um, it varies from, I don't know, 30 days to three months to start seeing some results. And the results you typically want to see is first the likes, the, the reaction you have. But what I always ask people to do is try and optimize for comments. Comments are really the type of engagement that matters. I prefer having 10 nice comments than 100 likes because out of these comments you can really use them as good triggers so that's the thing is like content is one of these things where it takes a bit of time to take off but if you're committed and consistent after like one to three months you start seeing results and you start seeing why it's so important basically love it man and it's essentially what your your outbound is going to be so much more effective when you can create a little bit of an inbound engine and this is kind of a way to you're kind of like your own revenue department when you look at it that exactly. way, right? Yeah. When you're doing a little yeah. bit of your own marketing. So I love that. The, the TLDR or the 80-20 there is like, hey, let's just get up a post and repurpose what marketing already has, use Canva, whatever I need to do. Let's just get something that helps me talk about the problems that we solve. So I have something to open yeah. conversations with. Uh, so, that, so that's the content building piece mm-hmm. of the T framework. Let's look at the opposite side of it in network. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about outreach, but that's just, we talk about that so much all the time that, <laughs> you know, we can talk about cold emailing, cold calling, but the network building is again, very interesting because I don't think that most sales development teams or AEs are really thinking about how do I network with people that can like refer me business even like, you know, in, in those instances. But so what's, what's the breakdown of networking? Like why is networking important to do? as someone that's prospecting yeah. versus always doing cold outreach and like, what does that look like? And, and what do we need to know about network building? So this topic is something that I'm really passionate about because multi-threading is probably the most overlooked strategy I see when prospecting is that 
we put all our eggs into the basket of, oh, we need to reach out to that C-level or VP. We only talk to decision makers. And your ability and your team's ability to actually engage these below-the-line personas, as Skip Miller would call it, these people that you know there are in management or director positions that can really influence the decision maker, um, there's a whole art to doing that. And you need to be able to coach your reps around doing that. And my tool that I love using to do this is called Wingman. And one of the ways that I use Wingman around this is I can pull those recordings and, and start to pick up patterns in what the most successful reps do so we can capture those you know, winning moments. And we can also use those bits of the calls to bookmark certain uh, places in there to provide coaching at scale to our team. So it's a really good way that we can sort of create habits around engaging these folks in the right way and asking for introductions in the right way and that sort of stuff. So if that's something you're thinking about, check it out at trywingman.com. Let's get back to the interview with Tebow. Let me show you something. I'll share my screen. Can you see everything there? Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So basically, um, network is something that I came up with because, uh, yeah, yes, to that. They are, yeah, I need to bring that here. <laughs> Just getting started with that. Primary target, you know, that's the type. What I do is always, um, my ICP, that's the ICP matrix where you have the ideal customer company and ideal customer title here. So the idea is I have primary target, uh, champions, excuse my writing, and influencer pool, I call that influencers. So that's how I always look for uh, things and the network building is very important because that's something where um, you can use tools on LinkedIn to automate your network growth. And I'm not talking about sending requests and saying, hey, pitch me, whatever, but just doing it smartly. So um, the thing is, whenever you are selling to someone, for me, I always like to see, okay, who's my primary target, the person I want to talk to, C-level, C-suite, you know, these are people who are often very busy and very solicited. So my approach is always, instead of going directly for these people, try and build a network of champions and influencers so you know, for me, selling sales training, I'm going to go and try to a VP of sales, CRO, then director of sales, and then everyone in sales, like my sorry, yep. influencers. So the influencers are really, um, you know, SDRs, salespeople, everyone in sales. And the idea is like, whenever you are uh, doing that, you can build lead lists. So you can say, okay, I want to get like, there's a list of 100 accounts I want to go with, or 1,000 accounts that are in a specific industry. I can pull this list from LinkedIn put it into my script and then automatically add champions and influencers. And whenever I do that, I proactively build my network. And then with my content, some will start biting with it. Yeah. And then this is going to create an echo chamber. And when I have this echo chamber, I can go to the primary target because they've heard, they've seen me, they heard about me, they've seen their, their people engaging with it. And that's really what I found. The network thing is also great is that you can put that in place. You can put some automation in place and some things that are, really helping you grow your network. And then, you know, I have an example, a company called Personio in Germany, which is a, a big, uh, big SaaS for HR. I basically added everyone in sales, champions, influencers. They started liking my webinar, tagging colleagues. Everyone was going to my webinars. And then I got in touch with the VP of sales and he was like, yeah, let's do a call. I've heard about you. So, uh, yeah. and then, you know, just, we had this conversation exactly thanks to this kind of strategy. And so that's really the thing with network building is, uh, you can actually put that on, on repeat while you sleep 
And this is going to pay huge dividends, you know, a few months down the line, because if you create content and you go from a network of, I don't know, a thousand people to five, six thousand, you can really have this kind of leverage that you wouldn't have if you don't do the movies. Yeah. So, and if you're listening, cause you can't see this part of it, uh, just keep in mind that we're looking at a table here at the top of the table. It's your ideal client uh, profile. And then at the, on the left side of the table, it's primary target champions, influencers, and you're sort of listing out. So when you say networking, you're talking about networking within that account. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so with a, uh, so quick question on that. Um, Okay, let's talk about these a little bit more specifically. I think mm-hmm. the I, I the buy-in to me seems pretty obvious there with like how easy it is to do that if you're posting content or at least you know connecting with those people and they see your profile and it looks interesting, you're going to start to get in our case, you know, SDRs that consume our content that mm-hmm. bring it up and say, "Hey, have you checked out this stuff?" You start to get managers that share their content with all the mm-hmm. uh, reps, right? Um, and I could totally see how that works. So on the account planning side of things, can you talk a little bit more about, let's not use sales as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you look at, I think people are pretty clear on who the primary target is. Like for someone that's maybe less familiar of what mm-hmm. the champion typically looks like or who influences the sale, how do you recommend like finding out who those people are and what the job titles might be? Because sometimes it can be different, you know, yeah. depending on the type of company. So what you have to think um, is great, great one, actually. So very often what we do, uh, we always try to outreach the top decision maker. And so it, which makes their uh, phone number, like the phone or email very busy. And often, mm-hmm. you know, they are just numb to cold outreach because they are being just, just hammered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I found that champions are not less. And the best way is whenever you go to a deal, if you're sending a technical solution, for example, to a CTO, you're selling like a, a, I used to go work for branch metrics. We were selling like a, a SaaS uh, to, I don't even remember. I sold one deal there. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, to, you know, like CTOs basically were our primary target, but we're talking with head of mobiles. So these people who are typically the champions in your deal, like the user buyer who will, um, you know, they will have an outcome that is specific. So if you take the, the kind of methodology of skip, I don't know that it costs them like uh, the Spanish or the Russian, the Russian as the primary target, but the champions are always in your deal. These people who will, you who will champion your deal will very, you know, very often be the first one to initiate a, a deal and go through the deal all along. So that's, that's typically like uh, whenever you're selling in B2B sales, that's typically what happens. You don't really always talk to primary target. If you're in mid market or enterprise, you talk to your champions. And then at some point you realize you discover who's the primary target or the decision maker. And yeah. so that's, that's the way it's always this thing. So the primary target, that's pretty easy to find. The champion is often this head. It's going to be a head, a director, uh, can be manager sometimes, but these people who are actually, um, you know, like how, how to say like championing this opportunity and this deal yeah. and the influencers are always the people who will have a say in the deal. So, uh, let's take our SDK when you're selling an SDK, a, a software development kit. So it's just a, a, a piece of, um, of code you have to add to an app. Mm-hmm. Um, you often have a CTO who has a grandiose vision and they say, okay, let's do it. Then they talk with the head of mobile who has also the same grandiose vision and also wants to get promoted. So they say, let's do it. And then you have the angry uh, developers at the, at the back who is like, this is not going to work. This is not compliant. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Yeah. These are the people you need to, to work for, you know, work with, mm-hmm. because I've seen whenever you're selling technical solutions to technical buyers, 
the people who are making your deal go south are very often these developers, the people who have to put it. Because I don't know why, actually, for me, I, I'm really curious why developers say no, and then people say, okay, we don't do it. Because in any other job, when you say no, say, okay, you're fired if you don't do it. <laughs> but with these guys, no, it's just like, so that's, that's the kind of people, that, you know, for a technical buyer, for example. It's just the ones who will be passive-aggressive with your deal and make it go south. That's your influence, yeah. basically. Gotcha. So when you're, so this is part of the, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, this is kind of a part of the like account mapping, you know, sort of stage yeah. where I have my accounts and I'm going to go after, now I'm going to go and sort of map them out. Um, is there, so when you said that you can do this on autopilot, do you have a tool that you guys are using to like yeah. send connection requests or, yeah. Uh, and have you found like, cause I know that LinkedIn is like really kind of hammering down on stuff like that. Yeah. Have you found yeah. that? that still works, you know, to use a tool to connect with these people automatically or like, how do, how do you yeah. suggest that the people do this? So basically there's, there's a tool uh, called Phantom Buster. Have you heard about this one? Yep. Yeah. And so uh, uh, the good thing is you, you have like the, you had tools like LinkedIn helper, whatever. Uh, and the problem is they are Chrome based extension plugins. Yep. And so LinkedIn can very easily detect plugins. And so they use that. And uh, whenever you, you do automation, they'll send you a notice and say, Hey, you've automated uh, it's like last time you're doing, otherwise you're, you're basically out of the platform. So it's something where you have to really think if you want to do it or not. But with this thing, Phantom Buster, basically it, it, uh, it takes an API. So it's very hard to detect. And what it does, it just doesn't send thousands of connections or whatever. It just replaces the, the dumb work of doing it. So if you have to send 80 uh, connections a day, that's going to take you a long time, you know? Just yep. like clicking on these things. So it just like reproduce that at the same speed, but it's just a script doing it. And so what I found is like, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to blast emails, whatever, I'm just going to, you know, replace the, the repetitive work I don't want to do, you know, by a robot, basically. And uh, this is, you know, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's really stealth. And so if you use like a certain amount of, uh, of connection, you know, and you make sure you don't like go above threshold, it's fine. If they don't detect you or anything and you are, you are, you're pretty fine. So that's really the, the idea there is just to be super careful with it. And it's something whenever you start, what I recommend is to not use it. Just go do, do things manually and see what works. And then you can use it and optimize if you feel like you want to do it basically. Yeah. But oh, as definitely. a disclaimer, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, there's risk also involved in, in that. So you have to make sure you're, you're, you measure the risk basically. Yeah. Proceed with caution. Yeah. For exactly. sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's the account mapping part of it. And you're thinking about like who at this company that I might not ever talk to, but would be good to connect with on LinkedIn because I'm posting content and they might find some value from that and can create this uh, kind of groundswelling, you yeah. know, effect, right? That we hear a lot about. Anything else around network building that we should know about or any other tips, tricks, anything like that? So there's also a very important thing in network building. Um, it's actually to find champion, like, sorry, uh, thought leaders, um, mm -hmm. people who are, who have like a really strong uh, influence or a niche influence in your market and says it's very easy in some others, it's not, it's not so easy, but you have in most markets that are, that have like audience on LinkedIn, you have uh, influencers, you go in the top voice LinkedIn 2020, that's where you'll find uh, influencers in all kinds of categories, HR, marketing, blockchain, mm -hmm. whatever. And so you go and find it with these people. And what I recommend is always to make sure that you are following a lot of them because first they will create a lot of content that is very good uh, inspiration for you. Uh, you know what content works, what content doesn't work. And then what you can do is you can create this bridge with these people because what influencers and thought leaders need, um, it's a voice, you know? So if you create like a mini show or whatever, a Zoom interview, whatever, these kind of people, they crave, they, they just like look for the light. Uh, 
So, uh, so that's, that's the thing is, is you're going to be able to provide them value and then you're going to be able to associate you, your, your company with these people, which is often what they, you know, what they, they're trying to do is just like provide value sponsored by a company. And that's really, uh, you know, it's more like business development as such, but that's another thing in network that is very important. And, uh, on top of it, it allows you to have great job opportunities because if you are able to hang out virtually with these kind of people, you're going to have like a lot of doors open basically. Yeah. So you're saying essentially build relationships with the thought mm-hmm. leaders in your industry by liking their content and trying to figure out ways that you can help them and, and that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool, man. Okay. So we got content, we got network outreach. What are the yeah. core components of the outreaching side of things? So outreach is, uh, that's, that's the thing that I find is the easiest to get started with because we yep. already do it. And there are just a bunch of things you can change that really help you um, uh, do two things. So for me, outreach, there's two things that are super important is being creative and relevant. Mm-hmm. These are two things. And the creative part is doing using what, I, you know, what we call pattern interrupts. And so what I found is one of the best pattern interrupts for now is the LinkedIn voicemail. I'm sure you, you've heard about this one, the yep. LinkedIn voicemail. Yeah. Um, Curiously, most people don't know about it. Um, and I have my theory. So whenever we are doing sales, we are on our computer, sending emails, whatever, using LinkedIn. And the voicemail feature is only on the phone app. Yeah, so, uh, which I uh, hate, so, by yeah. the way. Because so I, I, I had to, to delete the app because I get so addicted to checking LinkedIn yeah. stuff. And it doesn't allow me now to like send videos and stuff to people or exactly. messages, you know. But so that, that makes it like a channel that is not used so much because mm-hmm. people don't really know about it. So whenever you're sending a voicemail, you receive a small blue line with a play button. And so the thing is, as humans, since we're kids, we're wired to click on this triangle that is a play button. When you mm-hmm. see it, you want to click it. And so whenever you see, let's say, a text message in your LinkedIn, your brain analyzes that. And Josh Brown says that it's like, it's basically like a white circle in a sea of white circles. So you just yep. see the same. You're like, okay, someone's trying to send me something. I just shut down. If instead you see this thing, which is like a voicemail, like, what is it? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they want to say something. Maybe they want to send me something, but the only way for me to find out is to click on it. And so there you have it. You have creativity and then you're able to deliver your message, which is often very hard with text because we deliver the message but people don't read it. Yeah. And then the, uh, the, the, the kind of like relevance part is really something where I really try to use triggers. So triggers are this kind of indication that a prospect may have a problem you can solve. And uh, they are everywhere. can be like in you know, company, blog pages, uh, carrier pages, but also people will post stuff on LinkedIn. They will comment on other posts. And you can use all these things to go and, uh, and, and engage the, in conversation with them. And the idea is always the same is show you've done your homework, show you've actually, uh, you're not a robot or whatever, show that you are, you know, human who made the effort of trying to find some good connection. And that's yeah. a job when you're going to be able to be heard. And there's also always one thing I say is the cold outreach sequence has one goal for me is to get, get an answer. It's not to book a meeting or whatever. It's just make sure they say either yes, maybe, or get away from here. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's my goal when I do an outreach. And so that's, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's so important too, because getting responses should be celebrated also. Like, cause if you're not getting yeah. responses to LinkedIn messages and LinkedIn uh, uh, emails, excuse me, it's tough because you don't know what is and isn't working. That's what I love about the yeah. phone, by the way, is that yeah. you sort of get immediate feedback <laughs> exactly. over what's working. Um, but it's really interesting this, because you said it comes back to this fundamental of showing them you did your research. Mm-hmm. And 
I know that it, it's almost like people like us, we kind of beat a dead horse with that, but so few people actually send personalized outreach. It's mm-hmm. crazy to me. I was talking to John Barrows. I can't remember if it was on a webinar we did, or I was just on his podcast and he was talking about the amount of emails that he got in a week, two weeks period or whatever it was when he was on vacation. Yeah. It's like thousands of emails and like hundreds of cold outreaches through LinkedIn and an email. It was like, I think less than like two or 3% of them were actually personalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, people a, really aren't per, like just doing that in itself as a pattern interrupt and finding some of those things to mention. What do you think keeps people from doing that more often though? Because it's like, if you're an SDR, especially you got to hear that you got to hear every day that you should yeah. be personalizing yet. So few yeah. people do it. So the thing is, um, uh, um, often people are, are just l- not lazy, but they don't see uh, what's the reason they would do that. Because um, if, if you look at like the typical answer rates you get, so if you want to get a, a discovery call booked or a demo booked, you will have to send maybe a hundred emails or do a hundred calls. That's more or less, you know, like can be the the average can be maybe like, yeah, the double or whatever. So you always take this and you say, okay, if I personalize, I'm going to spend so much more time doing research and I'm not sure I'm going to get the result. Like I'm going to 10x my answer rate, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I prefer going for the quantity because I know every hundred I will get a, a discovery booked and I just prefer doing it this way. It's easier. I can automate. I don't need to actually do anything. And so I think that's really the thing is, uh, it, you know, you have to personalize, but it's, it takes, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a good framework to actually be able to do your research properly. And it takes also a, a mind to be able to take triggers that are not that relevant but I can, you know, get an answer. I saw a, a post from um, Kyle from uh, Clary, the VP of Sales at yep. Clary, from an SDR who Kyle did Coleman. the r- research about the, uh, about like the, she saw that the, uh, like he was a decision maker of a, I don't know, a huge company. And she saw that the guy was a lot into biking. So she did a lot of research about it. And, and this has, this has seriously like no, no, uh, I'd say relevance as such, you know, to what she's selling. But she showed the, she made the effort of like learning about biking and, and you know doing that and the guy answered, and yep. so um so that's you know this this is like it maybe have taken it took her maybe thirty minutes one hour to do it, but she got an answer you know it's it's a it's like on one one email it's a hundred percent answer rate, and so I think these people just don't really see the outcome they can have they don't really believe in it, and so they just prefer sticking with the with what used to work basically yeah. I think a big part of it, I agree with you, by the way, I think a big part of it is like lack of empathy. Mm -hmm. And it's like not even thinking about what it's like to get a cold email with no personalization on it as an executive that gets hundreds of emails sent to them on a monthly basis from people trying to sell them stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's interesting in and of itself. Like at your company, if you could look at the leaders in your company, if you could get them to show you a glimpse of what their inbox looks like. That would be actually, that would be a, a very good post idea, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, could you share how your inbox look like actually? Yeah. And uh, one of the yeah. things that I did is I took a screenshot of the cold emails I got and I just like, you know, I showed this when we're doing trainings and I just like, look at how everyone starts their emails. Hi, I'm Jason. I would like, I would love. Yeah. It all started with I and like what I want. It didn't start with yeah. any personalization. It's crazy, man. Um so creative, so being creative, uh, relevant while we're on the topic of pattern interrupts, cause that's something always people always want to uh, know about. What are some other pattern interrupt ideas that you have, uh, seen to work well, man? 
So um, you have this one, you have the, the crumpled letter from Dale. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. know about this one where you send yeah. the letter that is basically just all weird. So you can actually, it's already pre, uh, pre-put in a ball so you can throw it away. Uh, he also did one that was really fun when he was selling a, a copier service. Uh, he, he sent like a, a brick, you know, like it was a, it was yep. a sponge that yep. he painted in the shape of a brick. And he sent that to the prospect and say, hey, here's like a brick you can throw to your machine because it's not going to work or whatever. So these yeah. are great pattern interrupts. Um, there's one in Coraline that I really love. If you, you know, what's the guy of this guy? It's like Ben, the most uh, hated sales trainer of UK, UK or whatever. Have you heard of, of this guy? Yeah. So he has like a make sales great again cap. He's, he, yeah. and he, he, he's all a persona. And he started a call call where he's saying, hey, it's a call call, uh, you know, like, uh, he, he was just saying, he was really going, being super blunt. We talked about it yesterday. And he was just like explaining, okay, it's a call call. Now you can hang up. And people were like, huh? No, now he got their attention. So that, that's an idea there. Uh, I also love using uh, stuff like Gnome's Bake Shop to send like uh, cookies. I send those to a rich desk. They also work really well, these kind of physical things. Yep. And one thing, if you're selling to governments, use fax because they still have fax machines most of the Isn't time. That crazy? And no one is actually using fax machines anymore. So you could actually try and prospect using that. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was I was thinking of that. I have not tried the fax machines, but I was like thinking of old school companies that definitely use fax machines still. Yeah, and if you just sent like a cold, like a piece of paper with like a message, like a written out hand note or something, like you don't even have to stick it in the mail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's apps where you can fax people stuff through your phone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a pretty interesting, dude. The, uh, another one you could oh, do on the fax is um, basically you take two or three pieces of paper. I mean, I know it, 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 it depends on the fax machine you have, but like, uh, um, should we explain what a fax machine is? Because maybe you have a lot of young people who are... <laughs> sure. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> it's basically, <laughs> it's, a way, it's a way to scan, take a picture of a document and send this document so it's printed by someone, someone else's uh, machine, basically. Yeah. But you basically stick together some uh, to create like a loop with a, a sheet, and then you put the number and you say, if you want it to stop, call this number. And basically, when you do that, you're just faxing documents again and again, and it's just going to keep keep uh, printing stuff on the other end because the document is like a loop. Yeah. So the fax machine keeps sending data again and again and again. So that's that's the trick you can use also. And oh, uh, but that's you know that's very advanced. But you could try these kind of things with a rolling fax fax machine. But it's super hard to find, but. That's, yeah. uh, that would be an example of a pattern interrupt. God, that's hilarious. And if you're not careful, you could really piss someone off probably too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to stop, go here. Yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, obviously you would get noticed, but maybe not for the best reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, this has been great, dude. I love this concept of the T-shaped SDR and thinking, I call it thinking outside of the script, right? The normal pattern mm-hmm. of what an SDR should do or an AE mm-hmm. that's prospecting or any full cycle you know, rep and really thinking of like, what are the multiple prongs that I have yeah. at my disposal to get meetings and outreach mm-hmm. is just one of three, you know, things yeah. that you can do and doing all three of these things together makes the outreach more effective too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is great, man. Where can people find more out about you? What do you want to let people know about uh, in terms of what you're up to, man? So uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. So my name is Thibaut Suiris. So it's T-H-I-B-A-U-T space Suiris, which is S-O-U-Y-R-I-S. I guess you'll drop also maybe the, the link uh, in there. Yeah, I definitely make a, sure to check the show notes for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, guys, you know, French names. Uh, and I also have like uh, my ultimate call to outreach sequence. 
So uh, I'll send you the link, but if you go to saleslabs.io, so it's S-A-L-E-S-L-A-B-S dot I-O slash U-L-O-S, you know, basically, you mm-hmm. get a free sequence, basically. And so it's my sequence that gets like a 55% answer rate, 14% booking rate. Um, and it's, it's typically based on everything we talked about, like, uh, you know, pattern interrupts, voicemails, different, different kind of things. And it's five-step sequence that, uh, that works really well. And that I, I train and teach people on. That was a great interview. Lots of really actionable stuff there at the end. And before you take off, one of the things to think about is, okay, we got all of these actionable, you know, sort of tactics and things that we could do. How do we make sure our team is actually doing that? And if you're looking to create more habits with your team around how to do these things, and then also measure that and then get examples of it that you can share with other folks on the team that you're coaching, I would definitely check out Wingman. And you can do that at trywingman.com. Like I said, it's a tool that I'm really excited about right now because it's going to help create those moments where you can really insert some actionable coaching based on the tactics that you're teaching on a weekly basis and find those trends and actually have a you know a quantitative way of measuring something that uh, would be really hard to do with like say your CRM or your sales engagement tool. So make sure to check it out, trywingman.com. Really appreciate you tuning into the interview with Tebow today. I had a blast talking to him, tons of actionable things. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in.